This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. It's a gut issue that has gained a lot of prominence in the last year or so, and I'm talking about the bacteria in your gut. It's crucial. And not just for digestion, there is growing evidence that our microbiota, or our microbiome, and those are two slightly different things, also play a role in inflammatory bowel disease, mental health, weight control, even food cravings. The good news is that you can change the microbial environment in your gut by changing your diet. I'm going to give the numbers out again because we're about to talk to one of Canada's leading nutritionists, and uh, I bet that a lot of people have questions about this. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now, let's go to Leslie Beck. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So we just started hearing about this, or I just started hearing about this, you know, a little over a year ago. Suddenly, people are aware that there is this microbial environment in your gut, and it affects a lot of things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is certainly an emerging area of research, and, and I can't even just get over the explosion in the number of studies, um, particularly with respect to um, diet as well and how your diet influences your gut microbiota or microbiome and, um, and its potential links to, to health outcomes. So it is a very much a growing field, and I think we're only seeing the very beginning now. Uh, ha- is there a, an easy way to find out what uh, your microbiome is like, or do you just assume based on certain other things? Uh, no, actually, there are, you can do. Te- there are tests you can do. Basically, you you analyze a stool sample and you send it off for testing. And there are some clinics in Toronto that do offer that uh, microbiome testing. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what we really what researchers don't know right now is you know what exactly is a a healthy, healthy microbiome. And it probably is different for different people as well. Um, I think one of the things that research certainly has shown is a gut microbiota that contains a very diverse and rich community of microorganisms, so there's many different ones there, um, is what's defined as a healthy one versus a microbiome that's less diverse, that you have fewer species. And that's probably because, you know, if you have a very diverse community of microbes in your gut, uh, there's a much greater likelihood that you're going to have many more beneficial species that are good for your health um, and very fewer pathogenic or harmful bacteria. Okay. Uh, You know, and... and what you say about this seems to be the same as, as you know, most other diet advice is that uh, the best way to get this diverse microbiome is, is to eat a lot of uh, plants, to eat vegetables. Well, absolutely. And, you know, and it is interesting. I was at a big microbiome conference in the UK in November, and and the researchers, you know, there was a theme. They they said one of the most 
powerful, important ways that we can alter our gut microbiome is diet. And certainly, the more plants you eat, the more fiber, the better. I mean, studies have certainly looked at, at the microbiomes of people who eat a Western-style diet, which is, you know, high in animal protein, high in animal fat, and lots of refined carbs, um, and very low in fiber. And, and that's been linked to a loss of diverse, uh, diversity in, in, micro, in the gut microbiomes versus people who follow a plant-based diet um, tend to have richer, more diverse uh, microbiome. So it, there definitely is the research evidence points to fiber plant foods, more of it in your diet. Okay, what, what um, should we be eating for fiber? I think people are often confused about that. Well, you're right, and 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 there are there are a few different types of fiber that we hear about. I mean, we tend to think about you know insoluble fiber, which is a classification of fiber. That's your wheat bran, your whole wheat bread, whole whole wheat products. You know, and and that helps keep us regular. It, it, you know, it, it, it prevents constipation. Then there's your solu- soluble fiber. That's your oat bran, your oatmeal, your psyllium that a lot of people consume on a regular basis to help lower their blood cholesterol. So um, the one, there's a new, well, there's not a new kind of starch. There's another classification um, called resistant starch. It is not in your wheat bran. It's not in your insoluble fiber, but it is in many foods and many of the foods that are rich in soluble fiber as well. So that's what feeds your good gut microbes, um, resistant starch. And so you'll find good sources are raw oats are a really great source of it. Um, Chickpeas, white beans, green peas, um, bananas that aren't ripe yet. So if you if you like your bananas not ripe, that's a good source of resistance. Mm, that sounds like a stomach ache. <laughs> <laughs> Plantain, whole grain rye bread. Uh, th- those are some good examples. So muesli would be a good source of resistant starch as well because it's made with raw oats. Um, and, and another interesting thing, if you have leftover rice, potato, sweet potato, even pasta, that's been cooked. If you cool it after cooking, then that that increases the resistant starch in it. So th- those are good sources as well. Do you well. have to eat it cold or can you reheat it? I would eat it cold, definitely. So the longer you cook a food and the higher the temperature that you use to cook, the more the, that you'll lose resistant starch. But once you cool it down, um, cooling cooked starch changes their structure, making them more resistant to digestion in the small intestine. And that's really what it's all about. So resistant starch resists, if you will, or escapes digestion in your small intestine and makes its way to your colon where all of those microbes live and the, and they're looking for food so they so the mic your your good gut bacteria they ferment this resistant starch they create compounds called short chain fatty acids that have many different health benefits we think um, so that's really what's happening when you eat this fiber it makes its way to your colon and feeds your good gut bacteria so that they thrive um, I remember years ago uh, there was a study on rice and that if you cooled it, it also cut the calories in it. Yeah, I don't remember that, but I do remember something else, I think. Cooling rice may have affected the glycemic index, and that's probably because it changes the starch structure. So perhaps it's more slowly absorbed. Not sure, but interesting. Okay. So it's uh, a good reason to make pasta salad or brown rice salad. 
Leslie, I'm going to give the numbers out again because I'm okay. sure people have uh, questions about all of this. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm on the line with Leslie Beck. We're talking about gut microbes and the role they have in apparently all kinds of diseases. Now, how would somebody suspect that uh, if they're having a hard time with something, whether it's weight control or uh, inflammatory bowel disease, that that their gut um, microbial environment may be somewhat responsible? Well, I, I don't think that you would know for sure, but it would certainly be one thing that I would think about. I would think, okay, am I eating in such a way to cultivate a really healthy microbiome? Am I getting lots of fiber in my diet? Am I eating fruits and vegetables? Am I minimizing my intake of sugar and I'm not overloading protein? So those kinds of things I would think about. But you won't, I mean, there is no way to tell for sure. There is no there, and I guess the I guess the other way to tell for sure is if you change your diet uh, and things improve, then mm-hmm. you'll know. That's true. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, let's take a call. Uh, we've got Joanne in Stony Creek. Hi, Joanne. Oh, oh, good afternoon. How are you? Fine, thank you. Fine. I'm hoping that your guest uh, could help me. I've gone to a lot of dietitians and nutritionists, and a lot of them don't have experience with my medical condition. Um, Surgically, I had to have my whole large bowel removed. So everything, all the nutritionists talk about how good the fiber is, but I'm not allowed to have Mm -hmm. fiber. I have to be on a minimal fiber diet. Combination with that, I'm trying to lose weight. So it's virtually impossible, i.e. I cannot have fruit skin, seeds, pulp, bad idea. Mm So I end up living on white rice, white pasta, white bread, and very little meat. Okay. So, and what what's your question, Joanne? Um, can can you see people um, privately for uh, counseling? Oh yes, I, I absolutely do. I'm I'm based in Toronto, and I think and you know you 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 are a definitely a very um, special case in 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 everything we're talking about. Eat more fiber to you know to cultivate those healthy microbes in your colon. Obviously, does not apply to you, um, but I would certainly. I mean, whether it's me or another consulting dietitian in your community, I would hope that you would be able to get some help with creating the right diet with you that has to be low for sure in fiber um, to help you with your weight loss goals. And uh, I'm surprised that I don't know when this took place, but you know, ordinarily with a drastic surgery like that, uh, I would have thought that the hospital uh, would have referred you to dietitians because it's pretty specific. Yeah, unfortunately they did, but it was outpatient and they told me everything wrong, and I have been rehospitalized five oh. times. Oh dear! With bowel obstruction, so it's very well, serious. Well, um, yeah. I, as uh, Leslie said, it's pretty specific, but I'm I'm sure you'll be able to find uh, a good dietitian who can help you with that. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, uh, so uh, back to the conversation that applies to most people. Uh, are you seeing a lot of people trying to pick up on this, Leslie? Um, 
Not, to be honest, no. I think it's fairly new. I think people are interested in it. I, I had some good feedback about a column I wrote today in the Globe and Mail. Right. Um, so I think people are definitely thinking about it, but I don't think it's, it's not really mainstream yet. And I think as more and more research continues to come out, um, you know, we will, well, I, well, let me actually re-answer that question because, I mean, in one aspect, yes, people are interested in probiotics. Um, people are thinking about foods that have probiotics in them, whether it's yogurt or kefir or fermented foods. You know, they're adding more of those to their diets. People are reaching for probiotic supplements. So I think there is definitely a knowledge out there that what we eat and what we take and how we live really for antibiotics, etc., really do impact our, 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 our gut health. And, um, and, and I think there is acceptance out there that your diet can influence that. But in terms of really, you know, people understanding that, you know, if I eat a certain way, that's going to give me a very diverse microbiome, which could help me with perhaps anxiety, perhaps weight control, perhaps, etc. I don't think we're there quite yet. I think we will be, though. And how long does it, is, would it take a long time uh, of changing your eating habits for this to have an effect, or would it be relatively quick? Well, that's, that's the interesting thing. Studies absolutely show that you can change your gut microbiome very quickly in, in one to two days by making a drastic change in your diet, say going from an, a really high animal, high fat diet to more a plant-based diet. Researchers see changes within one to two days. Wow. Mm-hmm. But then if if you're if they see changes in one to two days, but you're never going to lose weight in one to two days. No, no, of course. They'll just they just look at the composition. They look to see at the composition of your microbiome and they see that it has changed different species at a greater proportion of certain kinds of species, etc. But of course, and you know, I, I think too, gut health, how healthy your gut is, how healthy your microbiome is, that's one component of, say, losing weight or managing obesity, one component. And, and I don't think, you know, that there's evidence out there at all or by any stretch of the imagination by just changing your microbiome, are you automatically going to lose those 20 pounds? I think there's a lot of other things, and I think your microbiome is part of the picture, perhaps. Mm-hmm. At least that's what research is suggesting. Uh-huh. And, and it might explain uh, the, you know, there are a lot of people who do diet and then find they can't lose weight. So mm-hmm. that might explain part of that, right? Well, it, it very well could. And there has been some interesting research um, showing that, um, that when you diet, you do alter the composition of your microbiome, and um, and that altered composition, even after you finish, you've lost your weight, you're maintaining your weight, may actually contribute to the to weight regain. So it, it's it's very complex, but it's very it's fascinating to me. Okay, uh, let's go to Dixie and St. Catharines. Hi, Dixie. Hi. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, um, you were talking about gut microbes for the bowel, and I've got a book by Dr. Travis Stork, and it's called The Lose Your Belly Diet, and it's all about gut microbes and increasing fiber in your diet, and it's helped me tremendously. Uh-huh. Did you, did you lose weight? I've, well, I just started. I've lost a couple of pounds already. Uh-huh. And do you feel better? Oh, yeah. 
Much better. Great. Uh, what kind of a change did you make in your diet? Well, I'm eating a cup of raw cauliflower every day, and I have a little bit of hummus with it. And I'm having a sweet potato every day mm-hmm. and uh, bran buds for breakfast and an apple for breakfast. And uh, it helps. Mm-hmm. A lot more fiber, that's for sure. Yeah. And there's all kinds of recipes in the back that I'm going to try, too. So I just thought it might be of interest to somebody else. Yeah, there there are a number of books that have that have come out uh-huh. on the subject. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, if it helps you, that's wonderful. Yeah, it really does. And I just thought maybe somebody might want to buy the book. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, then. Thank Bu- you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, Leslie, uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? No, I think that, um, I, I think that as we mentioned earlier, just... To, and we say this for many reasons, but here's one other reason to move towards a plant-based diet that's rich in fermentable carbohydrates or fibers is, you know, is to cultivate a really healthy microbiome. Okay. Leslie Beck, thanks so much for that. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.